Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. of the management team, we'd like to wish you all a happy new year. So we will start off our series this year in trying to defy all our New Year's resolutions. No, that's not what we want to do, but that will probably happen naturally. You know, each year I stand up and I, and, uh, I kind of think about my New Year's resolutions only to discover that nothing has changed from last year's resolution Uh, and probably that uh, I will break that one before the end of the month as well. But there is hope. There is hope. Uh, I want to start a series on all things new. So we know our new senior pastor comes on on the 6th of February, uh, and he'll preach that weekend after he arrives. Um, But in between, uh, we want to do a series called All Things New. And this week, I, I'll speak on a new heart for God, and then uh, we'll continue through the series on uh, a new heart for ministry, a new heart for neighbors, uh, and a new heart for people. As you know, that there is much excitement uh, when we go to a basketball or a sports game. Uh, in that next slide, you'll see that, uh, you know, the crowd go crazy and we all get very excited. And I'm not sure if we get as excited when we come to church. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to walk around with a smile on our face as if we've um, had a good Christmas uh, or, you know, we've had too much sugar. Uh, it also doesn't mean that we walk around uh, with a frown on our face because we've uh, swallowed a bag of lemons. But how does one gain this uh, excitement? We know that there are many churches in our country that are closing down. There are a lot of churches that are opening up. Um, A lot of people uh, might just go to church because they feel that's part of culture and tradition, and so that's the normal thing to do. But it seems like a lot of the stuff of the world has crept into the church, And we don't really know the difference. You know, somebody said, well, the design of a boat is to be in the water. But when there is water in the boat, that's not design, that's disaster. And if we begin to allow these things to creep into the church, then we will be faced with uh, some dilemmas uh, in life. And so for a church to be genuinely alive, and and what I mean about the church, I'm not talking about this building, I'm talking about people, the word ecclesia, which means called out people. For the church to be alive, uh, it needs to be healthy. It needs to be healthy. Uh, And so uh, we all know that that we uh, grow when things are healthy. Uh, A plant that is healthy will grow. A church that is healthy will grow, and a Christian that is healthy will grow. When we go to the doctor, uh, and I can't wait to get there, uh, when the doctor says to me this year, he looks at me and says, you've had a good Christmas. (laughs) 
I can see it. Doctor, that's rude, but it's true. Uh, you know, uh, but the doctor will, will begin to, to check whether your health is strong by uh, doing your blood pressure, by taking your temperature, uh, by uh, sending you for blood tests and telling you that there are certain things that are supposed to be there that are not there and there are certain things that are there that are not supposed to be there. And so uh, as you go through, the, the doctor will come up with some indicators that are good and some indicators that are bad. And so as we start this series, I want to share with you uh, some indicators that are good for a healthy church to grow and to thrive. I want to look at two verses. First one is Mark chapter 12, verse 30, uh, where, where Jesus is, is asked uh, in that next slide, uh, what is the, the greatest command? Uh, what is the greatest command? Um, Steph, in that next slide. Thank you. Uh, what is the greatest command? And, and it's, in fact, the, this basically sums up the whole ministry of Jesus. He sums up the Old Testament by, by giving this answer. They're trying to catch him out. And in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus says, Well, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then there is another verse I want to look at, and it's that God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. So what does that mean? What does that mean for you and for me today? Well, I think to have a new heart uh, for God, we need to take a look at uh, what that means. And the first point I want to make is, is loving God wholeheartedly. Loving God wholeheartedly. And there are four ways to love God. Uh, this word here, love the Lord your God with all your heart and, and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. That word love is, uh, is not kind of a platonic love. You know, uh, the, the, the phileo love, uh, one of the Greek words there, phileo means friendship. It's not to love him as a friend, as a mate. Every now and then you give him a high five. Hey, God, long time no see, happy new year, take a high five. No, that's not the word that's used, not phileo. It's certainly not the word eros where we get the word erotic, the, the, the physical connotation to love. It also is not the word storhi, which means the family connotation to love. But the word that's used here is agapao, to love unselfishly, to move away from egocentric self to wanting to please the person that you love. And so Jesus is saying to us, we are to love him in four different ways. And he says, with all your heart. That word heart there is a word that's quite familiar to a lot of us. The word cardia, you know, cardia, which means heart. Um, you know, if, if your blood pump, this heart is sore, you go to a cardiologist, cardia. And that basically uh, is the very soul of who we are, the center of our spiritual life. And this word cardia and the word psyche, psyche, which we'll see soon, are used interchangeably. So the very depth of who you are, your thoughts, your feelings, are uh, what we use to, to love God with. And so this talks about a pure devotion to God, a pure devotion to God. It's not enough to just have God in a little corner of our house uh, or our heart. 
you know, if you have a house, uh, there is a place for different things that you put in the house. In the laundry, you put certain things. In the pantry, you put certain things. In the bedrooms, you put certain things. And in the bathrooms, you put certain things. Well, uh, if we use this metaphor of our lives being a house, God wants to inhabit every single part of this house, every single part of who we are. I remember when I first met this lady that I married, uh, boy, it was great. You, you kind of think about her all the time. Met her, didn't fully know her, but I couldn't take her out of my thoughts. Um, you know, uh, and kind of, I wonder what she's doing right now. Well, what will she be doing if she's at work? She'll be working. But I wonder what kind of work she's doing. And I know she knocks off at a certain time, and I wonder uh, what she's doing in the traffic while she's driving her car. But I wonder how she's driving her car. Um, I wonder uh, when she, what she's having for dinner. I wonder, more importantly, if she's even thinking about me the way I'm thinking about her. Probably not. But listen... <laughs> When you meet somebody, kind of your eyes go a little bit, you go a bit gaga, Greek word. No, you go a bit, a bit, a, you go a bit crazy, you know, because you think about this person all the time. Because that's what you're full of. And so, uh, you know, if we are full of God, then we begin to think about him and we begin to take him in. Because when we take him in, that's what comes out. A little while ago... Um, and it's not the first time, I went to go and wake our son up for school. And um, son, time to wake up, and kind of in his dreams, he was going, because he loves fishing, he goes, King George Whiting. <laughs> son, time to wake up school. King George Whiting. What is he full of <laughs> comes out. No, son, you're going to school this morning, not fishing. Oh, rude awakening. Oh, it was actually a nightmare. No, listen. <laughs> You know, whatever we are full of, that's what comes out of us. Because that is what is the priority in our lives. And being in love is, is an amazing and a thrilling experience. And when we begin to see what God has done for us, then we begin to give Him our heart and our life. It was A.W. Tozer, that great uh, Christian pastor, author, and theologian who said, uh, we're all caught an everlasting preoccupation with God. It's an everlasting preoccupation with God. And when we begin to tap in to that preoccupation, we begin to be filled in our hearts, in our cardia, and begin to love the one the most. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. But also love the Lord your God with all your soul. That word soul is the Greek word psyche or where we get the English word psyche, P-S-Y-C-H-E, which means our very breath, our very life, our very being. And that's why it's used interchangeably in the New Testament, the cardia and the psyche, the psyche, because they go hand in hand. And so when somebody says, my heart is sore, uh, it's kind of, it might not be this blood pump, but there's something going on that's not really good. Something going on between the heart and the mind that is not always good. And so uh, I think when Jesus says this, that we are to love the Lord our God with all our souls, it's with all our emotions. To, to actually show that we love somebody with a little bit of passion. You know, um, the, the word passion um, comes from the Greek word pathos. 
pesos, uh, which means your emotions, your passion. And what's interesting is that all you need to do is put a little A in front of it, and we get the word apathy. And that's a bad place to be. I've asked you this question before. What is the opposite of love? And a lot of people answer hate. Well, what is the opposite of hate? A lot of people answer love. I suggest to you that the opposite of love or hate is apathy. This kind of attitude of, eh, I don't really care. What Jesus is saying here, listen, either love me or hate me. Because if you love me, you follow me and you obey my instructions. But if you hate me, then you turn your back on me and walk away. I know that we are enemies in that case. And so what Jesus is saying, love the Lord your God with all your passion, with all your pathos, with all your emotions, because God created emotions and uh, they are good, and so we express ourselves. I know that we say that cowboys don't cry, you know, but God created emotions, let's express them. And so in our culture, uh, we've become very cynical about showing emotions. But we are to show them, because that's part of showing who we love. It's pointless going to the one that we love, and we say, I love you, and never, ever respond to them, you know, if we genuinely love them. But this love that he's speaking about here, this agape love, moves away from self, and it wants to give of oneself to that person they come into contact with. In fact, there is a lot of love language in the Bible, in the book of Song of Solomon, uh, there's this passionate kind of love where, where this man, uh, it's a type of how we are to love Christ. And, and he says, um, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. He's expressing himself uh, how he loves the one he does. Again, show me your face, let me hear your voice. In other words, uh, when I see you, I'm delighted uh, because it feels really good. You've stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes. In other words, your very presence makes me emotional, and it's good, and I respond with an attitude of love and passion. You see, so this love that he's speaking about is a passionate love, and it's supposed to come out uh, as we worship him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, but with all your mind as well, Jesus says. And, and the word he uses here, folk, I don't know, the younger generation probably hasn't heard of this word, nous. You know, kind of, a, I think, you know, we, the older generation would say to their kids, you've got to use your nous, <laughs> use your mind. Well, it comes from this Greek word, the neo. You know, the meaning right through and your nous. In other words, you've thought about it properly, And now that you've thought about it properly, you're convinced that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so he's saying love uh, with a love that is thoroughly considered. A love that that says, you know, I've thought about this and I know that it's good. Now, folks, there's constant debate between philosophy and theology, between reason and faith. And so here, what Jesus is saying is that there are certain things that we will not understand but we love him with our mind as much as we possibly can understand. There are certain things that are mysteries, and we accept them by faith. And so uh, some things we cannot always rationalize. In fact, when you try and fully understand everything, it can make you crazy. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 
uh, the author of Ecclesiastes, Kohelis, whoever that might be, and we think it's Solomon, the wisest man ever uh, kind of to, to walk on this earth apart from Jesus, actually writes and he says, at the end of those 12 chapters, right at the end, the second last verse, he says, too much study makes you crazy. Now, don't put that in the exams, young people. You know, too much study makes you crazy because what he's actually saying is that as I begin to think about all these things that I can't fully fathom and I force myself to understand them, it can make me crazy. And so when we begin to think about what is written in the Scriptures, in the Bible, and we try and fathom every single thing, it can make us crazy. But when we begin to think about things and we thoroughly have considered them and are convinced that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, then we begin to accept that and we begin to live it out by faith. Accept it and we live it out by faith. And so what, what, what that does, it makes us better people. Because in Romans chapter 12, we are, we are asked to present our lives as a living sacrifice and then there'll be the the renewing of the mind, and there will be that transformation that begins to take place. That word renew, anakenosis, which means a, a renovation, but not a renovation for the worse, a renovation for the better. Our lives are renovated for the better. And so when we begin to get renewed, as we begin to think about what God has written uh, in His Word, we become better people. And then we are transformed. Beautiful Greek word where we get the English word meta or metamorphosis, the Greek word metamorphosis. Now that we've thought about it, we consider it as something good for us and we are changed. Why? Because we are born again. We're born from above. And so as we work through the, the Bible, as we begin to, to understand who God is and what he has done for us, so we begin to fall in love with God over and over again. Why? Because our mind is good. So we've loved him with all our heart, uh, we love him with all our soul, and we love him with all our mind. And we begin to consider what he has done for us as very, very good. And we begin to change in our hearts and in our minds. But then he says we are to love him with all our strength. That word strength is ichthys, with all our, our ability, with all our might, with all of who we are. In other words, Christianity is not a part-time thing. We are to live it out 24-7. It's something that we begin to take on, and it's changed us so much that we begin to live out Lives that are pleasing to him. And that's what it means to be born again. Remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, Lord, what do I need to do to enter the kingdom of God? Jesus said to him, you must be born again. Terrible translation in the English. You must be born from above, is what the original says. Yenisi anothen. To be born from above. In other words, there's a change of heart, a change of soul, a change of mind, and obviously that results in a change of how we live out uh, the one we love with all of who we are. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, we read, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Again, in that same chapter, verses 23 and 24, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart 
as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, you are serving. And so, if we're not serving him with all of who we are, then it's obviously just uh, something that's intellectual. But as we put what is in the mind into practice uh, and into our ability to serve him, so we begin to live a life that's pleasing to God. And folks, there, uh, there are a lot of people who, who fake Christianity. And that's hard work. It's hard work to fake Christianity. Because, you, you know, uh, I remember being a television producer at the South African Broadcasting Corporation. And you, you would bring people in and, and interview them. And they would have makeup on. And then something would happen and, and the camera would break. And those strong lights, the people would get quite hot and their makeup would begin to melt and run down their face. After a while, when you're put under pressure, if you're not truly born from above, the true colors come out. You ask for that makeup artist to come in quickly. <laughs> and that's the truth. Let me say this. The one you're planted in will determine the fruit that you bear. Now, I know it's early in the new year. Let me say that slowly and again. The one you are planted in will determine the fruit that you bear. If you're planted in the things of this world, you will bear the fruit of this world. If you're planted in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll bear the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There'll be a test on those nine next week. Hey, you know what I'm talking about? And so the one that you are planted in, that you're rooted in, that you're covered with, that you're getting your nutrients from, will determine what fruit you bear. And so that's what Jesus is saying. It will come out. It will come out. Why? Because you love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And that's what we're called to do. James says we are to be doers of the word, not just hearers. Loving God wholeheartedly. And then, in closing, worshiping God wholeheartedly. Worshiping God wholeheartedly. Now, folk, what is another word for worship? Well, to adore. To adore somebody. Uh, to, uh, you, you know, it's, I've got this picture in my mind when, when a, a, a groom is standing in the front of the church and the bride comes down the aisle. He doesn't worship her, but uh, there, there are no words that can explain it. There are no words that, because we adore this person. And it then translates into love in one's lifestyle, in one's lifestyle. And that's what Jesus was saying. Uh, God is spirit, and his worshipers, worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. And again, the word uh, worship, proskineo, to kiss the hand in token of reverence. It's to come before him and to acknowledge that he is Lord. And to come before him prostrate, prostrate, and to bow down in humility before him. And that's what we often do in prayer. We come before him and we bow down before him and we beg him, God, have your plan and purpose in my life. Not only through prayer, 
through my whole lifestyle, may you be in charge, in charge of who I am uh, in my life. And so we begin to serve him with this amazing enthusiasm. Now, again, it's not to walk around with a smile on our face, but you know that you know that you know who is in charge of your life. You begin to praise him. You begin to adore him. You begin to become enthusiastic about him. I'm told that the word enthusiasm comes from two Greek words, en, which means in, and theos, which means God. Enthusiasm. You, you begin to know that God is in you, and you begin to reflect that to those you come into contact with. It's amazing how, how people come out of their shelves at a, at a birthday party when a bit of alcohol flows freely, you know, at a, at a, a sports game. Uh, we become raving lunatics. I speak about myself. But I've seen some of you as well. <laughs> Maria says to me, when Michael's playing basketball, can you just go and stand on the other side, please? Why? My son's playing. I'm called to be a lunatic. And then I'll get spiritual. I'm a lunatic for Jesus. Whose lunatic are you? But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, my lifestyle should project who Jesus Christ is. Lunatic for Jesus or not. It should project who Jesus Christ is. And that comes through my lifestyle as I worship him. Worship giving him, giving him worth. Because he is worthy, I worship him. Because he is worthy and number one, I put him number one in my life. Folk, in the Old Testament, they took palm branches and they waved them at their true and living God. They were in jubilation, in jubilation when they came before their God because they realized they'd been forgiven, that God had provided their every need, and the Holy Spirit had empowered them, even in the Old Testament, to worship Him. No wonder the psalmist says in Psalm 100 verse 4, Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. That word bless uh, means come and kneel before him. I kneel before no one. No, we kneel before him because it's a sign of reverence. It's a sign that we acknowledge him and it's a sign that we are humble before the Holy One. Psalm 66 verses 1 and 2. Shout with joy, to God, all the earth, sing the glory of his name. Make his, his praise glorious. Uh, some, some translations, instead of shout for joy, they make a joyful noise. In other words, sound the triumph. It's a sound of triumph. And we come before him and we uh, kind of uh, make it known to those we come into contact with. Psalm 98 verse 4, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, burst into jubilant song. With music. You see, if we just gather Sunday after Sunday, go through the motions, and are not filled with His Holy Spirit during the week, then it's drudgery, it's hard work to be a child of God. It's got to be part of our lives. 
And strictly speaking, we should prepare our hearts before we come to church. Pray for the service. Pray that God speaks to you. Pray that God uses the preacher to speak to you. Pray that, that you connect with God. Pray that, that God will use you in an amazing way. Um, maybe uh, if you come into contact with somebody that needs a word of encouragement or something. And so we are to live it out every moment of the day. And we can do that if we love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. And because that that we're full of will come out in our lifestyles as we worship him. Well, friends, the truth is that we don't always do that, and maybe because our hearts are not in the right place. And I would want to encourage you to perhaps go back to your first love. Remember in Ephesus, or in Revelation chapter 2, the church of Ephesus, God warns them and says, listen, you've moved away from your first love, but I want to give you an opportunity to repent. And that means you were going the one way, and you turned your back on God. Or you were going the wrong way, and now you've turned your back to God. If you have turned to God, praise the Lord. But if you've turned your back on God, go back to your first love and begin to enjoy Him again. Perhaps you're sitting here and you say, well, you know what? I've got one foot in uh, Christianity and another foot in the world, and I'm not too, too certain uh, about my faith. Well, you know what? It's as simple as actually saying, God, change my heart. Let me love you with all that I am. Lord, change me. Consume me. Take control of me. But you need to decide in your nous, in your mind, because you've considered it and considered it well, that you want to follow him with all you are. There are some people in the Old Testament that were a little bit evil. And if they didn't repent, God was going to wipe them out. Some did, others didn't. And so God won't necessarily wipe us out, but we will live a life this year that lacks the joy and the sustenance that can come from God. And I know, and I really believe this, that when we begin to seek Him, we'll find Him. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That word seek, you will desire me. <laughs> when? When you seek me with all your heart. You will search me out. You will inquire about me. You will request that I am number one in your life, is what that verse, or what that word means. You will request and you will desire that God is first in your life. And I wonder if that's your passion and your devotion at the start of this year. And I pray that as we begin to think about who God is, that we can begin to love Him through our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength, and we can begin to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your Word to our hearts. Thank You, Lord, that we're alive, that we live in an amazing country, and we can often take our spiritual lives for granted. 
But we pray that you'll come and fill us afresh at the start of this new year, Lord. Fill us to overflow with who you are because we've been planted in you. Lord, I pray for anybody here that is not solidly planted in you, that they will come to their senses and they will turn and come and commit their lives to you. Help them to do that, Lord, I pray, by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Folk, we're going to have communion together now. And I know that God doesn't just want us to worship him, but he wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And he wants us to come before him with all of who we are and to have an intimate relationship with him. You know the parable so well, parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. The son requests his inheritance early and he goes and he squanders it. And then he comes to his senses. The Bible says that he, he, he was basically apart from himself, but he came to his senses. And as he comes to his senses, he realizes what is good for him, and that is to come back to the Father, to come back to the Father. And I want to read you this passage before we have communion together. It's about this, this person uh, who wrote this book, and he says uh, he went on a journey uh, with God, and, and he writes this, and he says, There was a gathering in the school's open-air tent. It was a time of worship and praise. We were just outside the tent listening. What do you think of, asked the teacher, when you hear the word worship? Singing, hymns, prayers, words of praise. That's the outward form of worship, he said. That's how worship manifests. But what's the heart of worship? And the young person said, I don't know. I'll give you one definition. A secret. It's found in the New Covenant Scriptures. It only appears in the Greek. It's a word proskineo, the word that I used earlier. Do you know what it means? No, I answered. It means to kiss, said the teacher. True worship is to kiss. And what does that reveal? What is a kiss? A kiss is the most intimate of acts. Therefore, worship is to be the most intimate thing you can experience. To worship God is to kiss God? Question mark. In the spiritual realm, yes. To kiss from your heart, from your innermost being. And when you kiss... You don't do it because you have to. You do it freely from your heart because you want to. And why do you kiss? Because of joy, the master said. Because of joy. Teacher, we don't say the most obvious, which is one kisses because of love. A kiss is an expression of love. And so this morning, folk, as we come before the Lord's table, we come because once upon a time, we were far from God. But because of what happened to Jesus on the cross of Calvary, through his body being sacrificed for you and for me, we are reconciled back to him. And that's why the church is called the body of Christ. Because we were once foreigners and aliens, but now we are part of of the body because of what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. But also, 
We drink of the cup. Why? Because there is the constant forgiveness of sins. No other religion gives forgiveness of sins but through ourselves being sacrificed. Here in Christianity, Jesus came down the mountain. He came and gave his body to reconcile us, to become part of him, but also the constant forgiveness of sins. Constant forgiveness of sins. And so, as we eat of this wafer together and drink of this cup, we're reminded of what Jesus did for us. And folk, if you're in a good place and you say, yes, my heart is right, I want to kiss God. I want to enter into this intimate relationship with Him. Proskineo, to worship Him. Praise God. But if you're not in the right place, make right with Him. Make right with Him. And then eat the bread and drink the cup. Let's open up, get ready, and we'll eat and drink together after I've prayed.